Tonight to serve us out of God's word is Brother Werner Weinhardt from Kitchener, and he will be assisted by Brother Dan Tomek, also from Kitchener. Shall we turn to the Lord in prayer? Indeed, Heavenly Father, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, the one who gave his life for us that we might have life, abundantly and everlasting. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, that once again we can come before thy presence and before thy living word, and we pray that from its pages you would bless each one that is gathered here. We look to thee now for thy blessing and ask for it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. For meditation this evening, please turn with me to the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10. I'd like to begin reading with the 25th verse. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. And likewise the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou Likewise, a scripture that answers the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then gives us the greatest two commandments. And then a story that is known the world over and has been immortalized by many is undoubtedly an important scripture. Before I go any further in this message, I just let, would like to, to say this, that tonight's message 
is one in which I consider myself to be a part of the audience. It is as much for me as any one of you. I realize that most of us here tonight are Christians. Many for many years, some just a few. I acknowledge that I believe for all of us, our desire is to serve God to the best of our ability. We want to live for Him. We want to make Jesus the most important thing in our lives. And we do serve Him. And we have served Him. And we will continue to serve Him in different ways, in different places, at different times. But at the same time, I recognize in my own life, as I'm sure you do in yours, that what we want, as we were reminded this morning, isn't always what is in our lives. And as much as we want to do things for God, there are times when we do fall short, when we do miss the mark, when we're not walking as closely as we ought to, when we're not doing everything that he wants us to do. And it is with that in mind that, that I want to share this word with you tonight. One in which I want to, as Peter said in the second, his second epistle, that he wanted to stir up the pure minds of the believers to remembrance of those things that they had been taught. And as we can read in Hebrews, that we would provoke one another to love and to good works. That we would be here to encourage one another in this Christian walk that we are engaged in, in our service to the Lord. We find here in our text that a certain lawyer has come to Jesus, albeit with some wrong motives, but nevertheless he asks a very important question, namely what must he do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing why he came and, and what he was up to, nevertheless took the question seriously and responded with a question and asked him, well, what does the law say? And I almost feel like this, this lawyer must have been following Jesus and had already heard him say that these two commandments contained the whole law and the prophets. That it all boiled down to this. And so he responded and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, You answered right. He scored perfectly. Now we might look at this and say, 
Well, is that how we get into heaven? I thought it was a gift of God. That salvation was a gift that was given to us that we receive by faith. And yes, it is. But Jesus was going deeper when he accepted this answer as the right answer. Recognizing that you can't love God without keeping his commandments. And his commandment is that all men should repent, that all men should come to the knowledge of the truth, which is none other than that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. The answer was right. And it was so right because it led right into what he was going to say next. And it leads right into what the Christian life is all about. Yes, the Bible tells us very clearly. You can read in Ephesians For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It is the expression of our love for God in how we live out our Christian life that is the evidence that we are the children of God. You can't say, the Bible says, that you love God and ignore the needs of your brother or your sister or those around you. It's impossible. Last night, Brother Gary shared with, with us so beautifully how that we need to have a desire for the Lord. And we need to seek after that. And we need to learn. And tonight I would like to add to that that we need to do. We need to act. We heard last night, Brother Walter shared with us a revised wording of John F. Kennedy's quote when he said that, that we need to not ask what God can do for us, but we need to ask the question, what can we do for God? I know he wasn't reading my mind, but for some time I had been thinking the very same thing and had intended to share with you the very same thought. And I trust that the Lord gave it to both of us. Doing, we know what the Lord has done for us. He's given us salvation. He's given us 
the hope of everlasting life. He's given us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. He's given us the power to live a Christian life. He's given us exceeding great and precious promises and so much more that God has given to us. And what he asks is really so little and so insignificant. But he wants us to serve him. He wants us to act on that which we have learned and which we know. I'm reminded of a scripture where the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he said this, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's time for action. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And the road is one that stretches from Jerusalem to Jericho. As Jesus responds to this lawyer when he asks the question, And who is my neighbor? I see a number of reasons why Jesus gave this story, this parable. Perhaps it was just a story that he made up. But maybe it was real. Maybe it was a real event, something that really happened. It certainly could have. It certainly was something that would repeat itself over and over and over again. The parable was one to answer the lawyer's question. And as we read it, we can't help but think that Jesus might also have been trying to take a stab at the scribes and the Pharisees, those that were there that he had such a strong distaste for, of whom in another place he said, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And certainly he might have been wanting to send a very strong and clear message to those like them that were standing around listening to what was being said. But more importantly, beloved, I believe that he was trying to send a message and teach us four very important things. Not just to the people that were listening. Not just to those who down through the ages would read and hear this scripture. But to us today. There are four things that the Lord, I believe, wants to show us and teach us from this story, from this parable. The first 
is that in many ways, all of mankind is like this certain man. Secondly, I believe the Lord wants to reveal to us that at times we as Christians can be very much like these two, the Levite and the priest. Thirdly, I believe the Lord gave this parable to show us very clearly what he wants us to do. Because he concludes this parable by saying, Go and do thou likewise. And lastly, and very importantly, I believe that Jesus was showing himself to us in the Good Samaritan, revealing himself and what he was. But Jesus said here, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. I've traveled the road some 20 years, more than 20 years ago, from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a rugged landscape, lots of hills, as it descends down towards the Dead Sea in Jericho. And the road in Jesus' time was certainly nothing like the road today. It must have wound in and out of the hills, and it was a perfect place for robbers. to find their prey and to do their thing. And so it was that this certain man, whom we understand to be a Jew, was traveling this way. And it so happened, as it had probably happened to many others along that road, that thieves came. The Bible says they stripped him of his raiment stripped him down to nothing, took everything that he had of value, including his clothes. Then they wounded him, beat him up, undoubtedly broke some bones, and left him there at the side of the road, half dead, leaving nature to finish the job. Beloved, I see in this certain man all of us, everyone that has ever lived. For you see, we and all of mankind are much like this certain man, when at times we too fall prey to those that would want to come and leave us with nothing. Rob us of hope, of our reputation, 
of the things that we have that belong to us take away our dignity our will to live even sometimes wound us in ways that that hurt very much there are a lot of people that are hurting in this world that have been wounded by things that people say to them things that people do to them things that people say about them wounds that that go very deep and hurt a lot that rip right down into the core of one's being in many ways there's a lot of people that get to the point in their life when they feel like they are half dead when to live becomes harder than dying and dying becomes something that they would rather do there are a lot of people that are hurting in this world that are struggling that have fallen under thieves that are going through tough times that are making experiences that are far removed perhaps from many of ours and many people that are making experiences that perhaps are very similar to yours and to mine hurting people hurt people discouraged people disappointed people people that 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 really need to be helped and that are looking and waiting for that help and i know that i'm not wrong in suggesting that there are some of you here tonight that can identify with this maybe all of us can identify with this at some time in our life or other because we all go through through times when we really feel like we've been beat up and robbed and wounded and left at the side of the road waiting for somebody to come along and help us and that hurting person may not necessarily be one that you can really put your finger on that quickly but nevertheless they're here tonight they're in our churches they're in our families our homes they're in our neighborhoods they are at the places where we work where we go to school 
These hurting people are everywhere. And in this parable, I believe that the Lord Jesus wanted to point out very clearly that all of us, all of mankind, is this certain man. And as such, is waiting for someone to come along to pick him up, to help him out, to be there for them. But the Bible goes on to say, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, passed by on the other side. Now this priest and this Levite had a number of things in common. Both of them were religious, very much so. But both of them, for all of their religion, ended up doing the wrong thing. Both of them, the Bible says, went by that way, they saw the situation, and they just kept right on going. In a nutshell, what they saw there wasn't something that they were going to do anything about. They were indifferent to this, this crisis, this situation that they had come upon. And beloved, indifference is failing to do something that could make a difference. Failing to do something that could make a difference. And that's exactly what happened here. This scribe, this, Pharise this Levite, the two of them failed to do something that could have made a difference. They could have done what the Samaritan did, but they chose not to. And one has to ask the question, how could they, being who they were and what they were, not have, have had compassion on this poor man? How could they just walk on by? How could they not see what had happened and, and want to do something about it? The Bible doesn't really tell us why. Perhaps they were in a hurry. Perhaps they had a deadline to meet and just didn't have the time to do it. Perhaps they just didn't want to get involved in the situation. Maybe they thought that, that the robbers were, were hiding behind the rock and, and they would be next. And they wanted to leave and get out of there as quick as they could. There could be a lot of reasons why they did what they did. But I believe that Jesus was trying to show us 
you and me, that perhaps sometimes we too become like the priest and the Levite and become indifferent to those that are hurting around us. To those whose path we cross, maybe, maybe we too are too busy. Now I know you can't stop for every car that's stranded on the side of the road. And neither can you help every homeless person. We certainly can't feed the whole world. And clothing them, maybe just a number, a small number compared to how many there are, And not that we don't do these things, but what about the times when we could make a difference, but we don't, and we walk on by? When we find that we ourselves are very busy, and, and taking the time is just something that, that we can't do right now, because we have other commitments, other obligations. Can we, beloved, perhaps see ourselves in this Levite, in this priest, as being like them, in that we too can become indifferent to those that are hurting close by us, and even indifferent to, to those that are hurting in the world around us. Yes, there are so many needs and so many people that could use our help. And where does one begin? Where does one start? And it can be overwhelming. But let's move on now as we read here, and it says, but a certain Samaritan. And let's stop right there. The Bible says, a certain Samaritan. Now we have to understand that if this man that was half dead on the side of the road was even a little bit conscious, and could even just barely see to make out who was coming next. That he must have thought that this was a very bad stroke of luck. Or fate. That a Samaritan should come by. In another place, we can read as Jesus met the woman at the well that that it tells us clearly that the Jews and the Samaritans had little or nothing to do with each other. The Samaritans were despised. And I'm sure that in many ways, 
The feelings were mutual. And so for a Samaritan to come by was the very last thing that this man could have hoped for. But I believe that Jesus put it this way for a very important reason. You see, very often, the most unlikely person may be the very person that can give the help that is needed. Very often, it's the one that feels least able, least qualified, that can really make a difference. He wanted to, to point out to us as well that as far as God was concerned, there was no difference. They were all alike. And with God, there is no respect of person. We move into groups. We associate and disassociate with certain people. Sometimes because of different reasons. It might be status, it might be family, it might be wealth, it might be perceptions that we have of people. But we move into these groups. And, and when it comes to helping somebody that's outside of our comfort zone, that becomes more difficult. God doesn't see it that way. He sees all of us and everyone in the world the same. And the Bible says that He loves them the same. God so loved the world, everyone in it. There's no difference with God. There's no respect of person. There's no one that is worth more or less. There's no one that is wor more worthy or less worthy of his attention, of his love. And so he tells you and me that it should be the same for us. It's easy to say they deserve that. They had it coming to them. They should have known better. They're getting what they deserve. Let somebody of their own kind help them out. Not so with God. And telling us that it was a Samaritan, he's telling you, he's telling me that everyone is worthy. Everyone is worthy of whatever we can do to help them along life's road. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. A different response. He came onto the situation the Bible says that he had compassion. 
As soon as he saw what was going on here, his heart was moved with compassion. And that is exactly what needs to happen in your life and in my life. When we confront those that are hurting, that are wounded, that are broken, that have been robbed, that are half dead. We need to have compassion as this certain Samaritan had. We cannot, we must not just walk on by. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We must not, we cannot shut up our feelings, our emotion of compassion for those that are hurting. In this scripture, it talks about our brother. But the Bible says very clearly that we are to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. It starts close by, but it doesn't stop there. And we need to ask ourselves the question, you and I, do we have this compassion for those that are hurting? For those that are going through difficult times, whether it's near or whether it's far. We know if we do by what we do about what we know. How often we are aware of difficult situations that somebody is in. Maybe a loss that they've experienced. Maybe struggling with an illness. Maybe having a tough time as a parent with rebellious children. Maybe just really overwhelmed and weighed down with a lot of responsibilities, a lot of cares. Really struggling under the load. And we know about it. And they may even tell us about it. And we brush it off so lightly. We don't clue in to those cues that come our way. 
And it's not just in our fellowship or within our circle of fellow believers. It's the world around us, all around us. What do you do when, when somebody, perhaps at work or, or a client or a customer, shares with you that their marriage broke up or is breaking up? Or that they have problems with their kids? Or that they're really in, in difficult times financially? That they're going through a lot of problems right then and there in their life. What do we do? It's so easy to become indifferent and brush it off and not do anything about it. But the Bible tells us that we need to have compassion. It needs to strike a chord in our lives. And it's not just what's happening close at home or within our circles. What's happening in the world around us needs also to strike a chord and cause us to have compassion on the world around us. Just this past week, I was speaking on the phone to somebody from the Canadian Bible Society. And in the course of our conversation, he shared with me that last year, around the world, the Bible societies turned down, get this, 69 million requests for Bibles. They couldn't supply them because they didn't have them. They didn't have the funds to give them. When he said that, I felt a, a, a sting of, of heaviness in my heart and a compassion of, of wanting to do something. But it takes more than just that feeling, that emotion. We need to do something. And the Bible says here that this certain Samaritan, after he saw him and had compassion, the Bible says that he went to him, he bound his wounds, he poured in oil and wine, he set him on his own beast, he brought him to an inn, he took care of him. Then on the morrow when he departed, he paid for it all, and he said to the innkeeper, whatever more that you spend, when I come back, I'm going to take care of it, I'll pay for it. We need to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us energy. It's going to cost us inconvenience. It's going to mean that we need to readjust our schedules. It's going to mean that we need to make something else a priority. It's going to mean we have to dig into our pockets and it may cost us some money. But what's wrong with that? There ain't one of us here tonight that wouldn't gladly give the money that we lost in the market in the past year to give Bibles 
for those 69 million requests that couldn't be filled. But you can't do it. You can't do it because it's gone. But you can do it with what you have. And the Bible says that, that this time of abundance ought to be the supply for the want of others. And whether it's something that's material or whether it's the time that we give, the attention, the care, the help, the support, it will cost you something, but be willing to pay the price because it's worth it to make a difference. Because in doing so, what we are essentially doing is laying up treasure in heaven. Where the Bible says that moth and rust and thieves cannot corrupt and steal and break through. We'll lay up a treasure that will last into eternity. The Bible tells us that we need to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ with not wood, hay, and stubble, which will burn away at the judgment seat of Christ and leave us with nothing, but rather that it needs to be with gold and silver and precious stones, something that will last on into eternity and the investments that we make in helping those that are in need as we can read here, is what's going to make a difference, not only in their life, but on into eternity. And that's what it's all about. It will cost you something, but that's the cost of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's a small price to pay. We love Him, the songwriter says, because He first loved us we love Him as we read together because He gave Himself for us. And all that we could give or all that we could do would be the very least that we could do. But know this, that the least that we do, we do it unto Him, unto Jesus. And that's important. And the Lord will reward us. And finally, I believe that Jesus was, was telling us, was telling the world that he, that he was a good Samaritan. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, as he read from the scriptures in his hometown of Nazareth, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is that good Samaritan. And there are times in your life, in everybody's life, when what we need is Jesus. We need to be, have Him be there 
to administer that healing touch, to open our blind eyes, to help us to walk and to pick us up, to be there for us, And he wants to do that, and he will. The Bible says that we ought to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And Jesus will be there for you, my brother, my sister, as he wants to be there for everyone that will look to him. And he will help you in his own way, Sometimes he will take away the storm that you are in, the problems that you are in. But other times he may choose to leave the storm and let it rage and simply bring peace to his child. But he wants to be there for you, and he will be. And he wants us to be there for those that need the help that we can give. And so the Bible says, Jesus says to us, Go, go, and do thou likewise. Amen. Let's turn to the Zion's Harp, hymn number 324. Take my life and let it be. Let's sing all seven verses.
Let us arise for prayer. Our Lord and our God, it is a privilege to worship you, to worship you alone, because there is no greater God. And we thank thee, Lord, that we even are able to do so, that you have revealed yourself to us, to all mankind, so that we can worship and honor you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word and for the things that have been taught this evening. We thank you, Lord, for being reminded that how all mankind is wounded, how so many are hurting and are in great distress, indeed are half dead or even more than half dead, but so much spiritually dead. And we pray, Heavenly Father, even as we have sung, that you would take our eyes so that we may see, so that we may see the needs around us. We pray, Lord, for forgiveness where we have seen the needs, but we've walked on by. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us a heart of compassion so that we can't just walk on by, but that out of love, out of love for you and out of the same love that you have for all mankind, we would then be motivated to make a difference as you move us, as you inspire us, as you reveal to us what we can and what we must do. We pray, Lord, for forgiveness where we have failed in this. And pray for your power to change us and to make us new so that we are more like Jesus because we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are like the Good Samaritan and so much more as all the world was suffering and in the bondage and in the depths of sin and that you came and saved us. It cost, it cost a whole lot, Lord. And we pray, what can we do but give the very little that we have? We pray, Heavenly Father, that we be willing to do that. We pray, Lord, for your power to be with us, that we might continue to honor and glorify thy holy name. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.